0: Hello, Reagan Middlebrook here. A brief note before we begin. Uh, As I was editing this together, I realized that in our discussion, we assume an awfully fine-grained knowledge of the plot of Newsies. If you are unfamiliar with the show, or if you could just use a refresher, please download and listen to our recap podcast. It's about five minutes long, uh, and that will get you up to speed before we begin. Otherwise, feel free to dive right in. And if we ever mention a plot point that you don't remember, you can just assume that we're right and agree with us. Now, Tracy wants me to add an additional note to the effect that, yes, I speak very quickly when I am passionate about a subject, and that I will attempt to modify this in the future. However, I say, you're listening to a podcast, so just listen at half speed. Anyways, hearts! Okay, thanks, here we go.
1: Welcome to the first ever episode of Everything That's Wrong with Tracy and Reagan. I'm Tracy Middlebrook. And I'm Reagan Middlebrook. We are sisters and enthusiastic observers of media, art, politics, and the world in general.
0: But sometimes things are the worst, and we have opinions about it. So today, we're going to talk about everything that's wrong with the newsies on Broadway.
1: Absolutely.
0: So that's as much as we rehearsed, and now (laughs) now we're just going to talk to you. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Tracy. <laughs> Alright, yep. I
1: would like to point out that this is our first time recording a podcast, and it was Reagan's wisdom that said, We don't need to rehearse or discuss any kind of pre production or layout ahead of time. We'll just show up and talk and it will be flawless.
0: I don't believe I ever said flawless. I believe I said shit show, but in a good way. <laughs> so-,
1: <laughs> so almost a year ago. When I learned that the Broadway production of Newsies would be touring in Seattle, I reached out to my sister Reagan and said, Hey, I know you loved this film as as I, I quite liked it, but she loved it as a child. And it's coming to Seattle. There's really no way it will be good, but I'm happy to get you tickets as a birthday present. And I did kind of my standard cop-out birthday present where I'm like, your present is seeing a show with me because I'm buying a pair of tickets and I'm coming with you. Guys, take that as a tip. That's an excellent birthday present scam. If you are a person
0: who likes seeing shows, (laughs) your presence is part of the present. See? Excellent. So it works. And I, of course, said yes, because I love the movie and it's wonderful, even though I knew that the stage production wouldn't have Bill Pullman in it, so it couldn't have been as good. uh, Still, I mean, Tracy might claim now that she liked Newsies growing up but she never understood I had um, on one of my birthday parties my brother took her to see movies and they went and saw Mo Money and Newsies and I was so jealous my party could not possibly compare because they got to go see Newsies without me and I forgot that Mo Money (laughs) was part of the double feature at the $3 cinema in town oh wow anyway I have cherished Newsies in my heart Uh, and then we went and saw this play
1: I would also like to point out to observant listeners that Reagan was 10 when this film came out, and beloved Bill Pullman are words that she just sincerely used, which is a little creepy. I don't
0: believe I said beloved at all. That was in the tone, I expected. maybe.
1: Maybe maybe it was in the tone. I think it's even creepier than your old man crush on Tommy Lee Jones. Oh
0: my God, he was so dreamy. He's too old now, but guys, seriously, the eyes of Laura Mars. He was hot when he was younger, but he's the fugitive. I know, right? You were probably twelve when the
1: fugitive ten or twelve when the fugitive came anyway, out. Anyway,
0: this isn't what we're talking we're, about today. We're this talking is, about everything that's wrong with Reagan's crushes.
1: Everything that's wrong with Reagan's father figure. Oh no, daddy
0: issues. Die in a fire.
1: You can edit that part out. <laughs> <laughs> um.
0: So, we went and saw this show. And at
1: the intermission, well, let's backtrack. We were up in the cheap seats in the top balcony, because guys, I give really good birthday presents. (laughs) (laughs) And we were surrounded by school groups of junior high and high school kids, 10 to 20, you know, youths. With a few adult chaperones, many of whom got really dressed up and were clearly wearing their formal dresses, which was adorable. And they had such enthusiasm, and they were losing their minds. There was hooting and hollering, and they were having the best time. Um, And Reagan and I walk away from our seats so we don't trash talk right next to people who are loving this. And then just gushed at each other about what a hot mess everything was and what was basically all the problems with the adaptation from film to stage show as well as problems with the stage show in general
0: yep that's what happened, <laughs> <laughs> that's what happened. <laughs> thanks for the backup you're like
1: check yeah that checks out guys okay she's confirmed it um
0: so instead of opening in a rooming house for Newsies, the show opens on what is supposed to be like the top of a building with Jack and Crutchy doing a chorus of Santa Fe about how friends are like family. Uh, and we'll get into the overuse of Santa Fe in this show. But, but opening- I do,
1: On that, I do just have to say, oh my God, it is Andrew Lloyd- so you said a moment, but I'm going to say right now. <laughs> it is Andrew Lloyd Webber levels of overuse of reprises- but towards the end of the show, because so much of the show was a mess, I was almost glad to have another interminable Santa Fe reprise because the rest of it was so terrible. At least this felt familiar. Guys, if you could see Reagan's face right now, I have become a You're pod wrong. person.
0: I said almost there's, there's, glad. No, there was nothing okay. good about it because it's... I mean, we just rewatched the movie in order to confirm that we were right about our initial opinions, and indeed we were. Ha uh, <laughs> But Santa Fe in the movie, uh, is emotional and it has meaning and, and the character of Jack, uh, in the movie, you know, he's lying about having a family out West when really he has no one and he has this deep internal sadness and and vulnerability despite having this like bravado type exterior. And so this song is where we get a glimpse of his internal state. And although it's actually pretty boring to watch on film, or at least I don't enjoy it, sorry, um that particular song, just like listening to it, even on the soundtrack, you can hear the emotion and it's a good song. In the play, aside from the fact that they inject it all over the place in an unseemly fashion, it's just meaningless. Because this Jack, he does, I mean, he wants to go to Santa Fe because the air is dirty in New York, which, okay, fine. But, but it's, it's, they just take out everything that has heart and any darkness at all and then replace it with, like, bullshit and magic, right? Like, at the beginning, with Crutchy and Jack on top of the building doing Santa Fe and Friends Are Like Family, Jack is talking about how Crutchy can go out west with him and ride a Palomino, and I bet that two weeks in that fresh air will cure your leg. Like, I'm sorry, Jack, you're not eight years old. You know how broken fucking crippled legs work, right? Like, he's not going to get magically better. And it's just so... But the point that I was originally trying to make is that by opening with Crutchy and Jack and this thing about friends being like family, the reason for changing and opening there rather than opening with the song of the newsboys getting ready for the day... Uh... Uh, carrying the banner. Yes, thank you. Instead of opening with carrying the banner where it's all of the newsies and this is their job and they go out into the world, instead we're focusing on this emotional connection between these two characters, which implies that it should be really important, right? It implies that this should be perhaps the emotional heart of the show. Otherwise, why are you getting rid of your fun upbeat opening number and replacing it with a slow, boring, dumb opening number?
1: To speak to this is apparently the emotional heart of the show. It is played every five minutes. That is an exaggeration, but only barely. (laughs) And it shows up in the score when they're not friggin' singing about Santa Fe. So, side note, guess what? First off, guys, buckle up, because there is going to be crosstalk, and there is going to be side talk, and we are going to—that's just who we are. But last month, when um, I took my first ever trip to New York City and visited my buddy Joseph, we went to see Disaster. At the Nederlander, which I just learned is where Newsies was on Broadway, but that actually makes me love it less. I went there because Rent was there. And, you know, Rent came out when I was in high school, and that was very important. And Adam Pascal was in disaster. So, getting to line up for rush tickets with a high school friend 20 years after Rent at that theater was fun and provided some nostalgia for a thing we were never a part of. But, God, did we wish we were, you know, musical theater nerds out here in Seattle. Anyway... It happens to be Broadway Cares Equity Fights AIDS last month. And Jeremy Jordan, who originated the role of Jack Kelly on Broadway, was there afterwards for the donation bit. And you people, you know, bid a few thousand dollars to get to stand on stage with him while he was going to sing them a song. Well, that's lovely. And then, and I'm thinking, haha, my sister Reagan will be super jealous. Because, you know, a Newsy song is happening without her right in front of me. And we haven't
0: seen the play yet.
1: Well, that is true. <laughs> and then... And then he starts singing Santa Fe. And I was like, oh, Reagan will not be jealous because this was the ballad and we thought it was boring growing up with the film. And then, oh my God, Mr. Jordan... (laughs) Mr. Jordan sounds strange. Anyway, this dude forgot the lyrics and had to ask for the line like four or five times, which initially was charming and hilarious, but by the end, it was like, seriously? Did they only give you five minutes to notice this was happening? However... Once Reagan and I saw the touring stage production, it was like, oh, there are 400 versions (laughs) of this song with different lyrics. And in fact, he even said, he apologized as he had to ask Seth Rudensky once again for the line. Guys, we had so many rewrites of this song. So these poor bastards, not only (laughs) did he have to sing 12 versions of this song, there were innumerable rewrites as well. And again, because the book and lyrics are a shit show... All of the lyrics are meaningless and interchangeable. So I forgive him my momentary. Come on, man. Get it together that I had last month. All right. As you were, Reagan.
0: Well, I mean, that was the end of that particular point. (laughs) That's number one, guys. (laughs) Hang in there.
1: All righty. Um, Yeah. So going to, again, by removing Jack lying about his family and saying that he has a family who's out west looking to buy a ranch in Santa Fe and they're going to send for him which makes it extra heartbreaking after he goes to dinner with David's family because he sees what that is and he doesn't have it and that's where he sings in the film his, his Santa Fe
0: So that's what they call a family Mother, daughter, father, son Guess that everything you heard about is true So that's what they call a family. Right. That that line.
1: So that's what they call a family is is actually pretty breaking. Breaking? Heartbreaking, (laughs) I guess? Hmm. But so my biggest problem with the production, by removing all of Jack's secret, tragic backstory, he really is just a charismatic leader of the newsies who doesn't, he's talented, he's attractive, everything seems to work out for him. In the very last few moments, we learn that Jack drew some some, uh, pictures of the kids in the refuge, which is like the orphanage jail, I guess. (laughs) Uh, I mean, calling it the refuge, I keep calling it an orphanage in my head, but I know the internet will correct me. So I know it's called the refuge, guys. Um, But he drew some pictures of these kids in kid jail, and I guess that gives his character emotional depth. But they literally are telling not showing us that. The you know plucky girl reporter discovers them and just says one line saying, "Hey, I found these photos. I guess you really do care
0: yeah and and speaking of that, so um, and to kind of go back to what I was saying about crutchy and Jack, so okay, crutchy and Jack, then that's the emotional heart of your show, right? I got it. that's why you started with this boring effing song uh, but then when crutchy gets taken off to the refuge, we see we get a song from him. In the Refuge, um, writing a letter to Jack, which is really kind of heartbreaking. Yeah, uh, I would sad. argue
1: it's one of only two good new songs. Right. Crutchy and the Refuge and then the Girls' Song.
0: I I read online that they actually wrote that for the touring production because they found that they people just sort of forgot about Crutchy, right? Like, he went off to, to children jail oh, and then he wait, came in at the end.
1: Wait, you're kidding me. So that wasn't even in the... Oh, my God. Yeah. Because, yeah, you have to add that. Because it hasn't been established at all that they're important. The very first song, Jack says, Hey, Crutchy, you are my family. And then he disappears... And we don't even see him writing the sad right.
0: song to Jack? Right. But so then we get Crutchy's side of it where, yeah, Crutchy, this is his best friend. And hey, don't worry about me that I'm being tortured and this is a horrible place to be. Like, I'll do all right. You yeah, know?
1: he says the line how, well, at least the food isn't bad because there hasn't been any food. Because he's just that endlessly optimistic, crippled urchin that we all love.
0: Right. But then... <laughs> you know, just to go along with showing and not t- telling in how Jack in the play is a sociopath without any real emotions. Uh, <laughs> sociopath! It's, Possibly. Um... We don't ever see Jack get the letter or react to it, and in the play, he's he disappears. Right? Okay, so they you know they do their strike and they go in and they stop the wagons, and it's that scene you might remember from the movie where newspapers are flying everywhere, uh, and Crutchy gets taken off to the refuge, and then Jack can't deal with the fact that you know cops and strikebreakers came in to like beat everybody up, and he feels terrible about it, so he just disappears. So he's not there for the King of New York song, and we don't see him again until much later in the act where they find him hiding at Meta Lark's place, the burlesque dancer, because he's secretly an artist and he paints her backdrop. So he's been hiding out there painting a backdrop so we don't see him get the letter from crutchy we don't see him react to the letter from crutchy uh he says that he feels bad about the newsy thing and so he can't go back to it but we really don't see him being like broken up about it. if this was such a horrible place where his best friend his only family in the world is like show the effing escape attempt he just says that he tried to break him yeah, out but couldn't there, even see him there
1: is one line where he yeah <laughs> he mentions he tried to visit crutchy but they wouldn't even let him come to the window but he
0: should be shattered by that right if this is important, but instead
1: he's moved, he has changed into a striped tank top so he can show off artists. Well, he
0: can show off those
1: toned, toned arms. And then we learn, we get to see in the big reveal, he flips over the backdrop that he's been painting. (laughs) um, And the birth of a political cartoonist has born as there's a boot of Pulitzer crushing the little Newsies boys. It's guys, it's shite. It's ridiculous. Okay, so, again, yeah, Jack has no emotional depth. I guess perhaps sociopath is right. Again, he's attractive. Everything works out. The only struggles that we see are being the charismatic leader of a group of fawning newsies gets a tiny bit tough when they decide to go on strike, but only a tiny bit and only for a few moments. Number two, the girl he's flirting with isn't instantly reciprocating. We will leave the consent to issues. We won't even get into that. Number three there's a the one sentence mention of how he escaped from the evil orphanage so that that bad guy might chase him for 10 seconds before he effortlessly escapes and again i know it's the refuge it's not an orphanage whatever um yeah we don't ever see him get the letter it's the worst
0: <laughs> so that would be number 2
1: <laughs> oh god okay
0: um number 3 these are in no particular order the costumes so they're going for really realistic costumes, so everybody is in brown and gray, and it makes it really difficult to tell people apart. And the movie, at least, Jack is wearing this red bandana, so you can always tell who he is. In this, especially since they're, you know, the child actors are really in their twenties. There's, it's really difficult to tell the difference between children on stage and adults on stage. And so when you have them fighting with Weasel or Weisel or the Delancey brothers or whatever, you can't tell who is who. Like the Delancy brothers have bowler hats instead of right. newsboy cats, but that is a really small distinction. Like, I give me, I mean. Maybe it's just a personal preference thing, but I have bright colors. You know, that helps. Give somebody bright red pants. Give somebody bright blue pants. Like, I went and saw. Even without
1: bright colors, something distinctive. You have on stage. They do have quite a large cast, which in these days, you know, sadly is a rarity. So, bravo for that. But you've got, I don't know, a dozen, 15 Newsies, and then, like, four other. Adult men, but everyone's an adult man, they're all basically the same size, and you're supposed to pay attention to the hat they're wearing and whether they have knee pants with socks pulled up all the way or pants all the way to the ground. There's only three or four grown ups who aren't the newsies in these supposed melee fight dance scenes, and you can't tell at all who people are. I can't believe that they didn't do anything distinctive for Jack, even. Yeah. Hell, Crutchy's crutch doesn't even really stand out.
0: No, and and on top of the fact that these costumes would be confusing anyways, people keep changing clothes. So right. at the beginning, you have Jack, who's in this long sleeve blue shirt. So even though it's hard to tell, at least he's wearing a long sleeve blue shirt, and you can fix that in your mind, be like, okay, I can look for that, and I'll know that that one is Jack. But then he's in something else. Everybody, it's just terrible. And maybe this is just me, or maybe it's just everyone else being wrong, and you know which one I tend to think that it is. Um, but I, I went and saw uh, Guys and Dolls in London with Ewan McGregor. We sound like huge theater goers, by the way. This is all, like, random fluke shit that we did this stuff. Don't be jealous. Um, But anyways. Well, go
1: ahead and be jealous. But we each took one trip. (laughs) She's been to the West End once. And then I, you know, we went to Broadway. If you're going to be jealous, be jealous of the fact that we saw fucking Hamilton last month. No,
0: no, everyone's going to turn it off. They're going to be like, you guys suck. Uh, Anyways. Don't, don't, don't don't suck. Okay. Anyways, so I went and saw Guys and Dolls in London. And obviously I'd grown up with the 1950s movie, which is all Technicolor colors. But, you know, the, the dance scene in the sewers, if you're familiar with that show, show you know they their craps game is flushed out of the place that they're having it so they all go underground to finish it in the sewers and there's this huge you know big musical number dancing there however in this production on Lon- in london they were all using like realistic colors for the background and the clothes and so it's just brown colors of clothing dancing behind brown colors of set and it wasn't interesting it didn't like pop visually and it just kills me and i i like color but anyways um so the costumes didn't work just for keeping track of which character is which and that was a dumb thing Tracy, do you have another point you'd like to make? Because I have more. Yes.
1: So, apart from taking away anything interesting or real or any bit of emotional depth for Jack, I think one of the things that inspired this podcast is Reagan tweeted how the producers of Newsies on Broadway did not understand the movie Newsies. Um. And one of the biggest reasons is they have neutered and basically eliminated the character of David.
0: Yes. God. Yes.
1: David is our everyman. David is a child who actually has parents and a home, unlike much of the, you know, homeless street urchins who are selling newspapers. But his father was injured at work and with a broken arm was fired because he doesn't have a union. These are strong themes. Disney is never subtle. And... But at least
0: the movie has strong, consistent themes. We'll talk more about that later.
1: <laughs> <laughs> True. Um, and so he's off selling, and Jack sees David with, you know, his adorable younger brother, sees an opportunity, and they decide to, you know, go into business together and split the profits to and teach him the ropes. But in the film, David is is our endpoint. He's our everyman. He lets us see a lot of the flaws of this, you know, mythic Jack character and you that's how you start
0: right he's skeptical about jack's backstory all the other newsies lap it up and he's already sort of questioning him and and doubting him at every turn because he can tell it is a facade and and it's important that they have this interplay right like jack doesn't have the answers to everything it's i mean it's
1: yeah that's the biggest thing so in when they decide to go on strike and david says you can't because you don't have a union we can't be a union because we don't have x y and z and jack says well we'll get those things David is the one who knows what a union needs. They kind of started to do that in the in the play as well. But then, in the film, uh, crucially and critically, all the newsies gather around wide-eyed and say, tell us what to do, Jack. And he goes right over and says, tell us what to do, David. And then David feeds Jack line by line, and Jack is the megaphone. And it's not... It's not a Cyrano de Bergerac secret thing at all. It is a partnership. And Jack is using his charisma and his volume to share these great ideas, but every single one of those lines as they go into, is it seize the day? They go into whichever song it is that they're going to sing um comes from David because in the film <laughs> David is a part of this. It's extra it's extra sad that they get this so wrong in the play because one of these lines that they try to hammer home, the world will know is the song. The world will know is the song. There we go. No need, no need to tweet at us, um, which you can't yet. Cause we haven't given you our Twitter account. <laughs> um, so that's a reason to keep listening or should we tell them now? Uh,
0: it's at wrong pod, W R O N G P O D.
1: There we go. We even spelled it for you. Um, so about the writers of this film not getting that it's important for Jack to not always have all of the answers. That point is extra sadly hilarious because of the show's stupid line, repeated at least twice, and in the big gotcha scene, a scene that doesn't get anyone and lies flat as fuck, the line is basically, being the boss doesn't mean having all the answers. It means taking, it means taking a good idea when you hear it. And, you know, Catherine tells this to Jack, and she even says, you know, David had those ideas about the union and you and now I'm having these ideas about the rally or whatever the hell. And then Jack later repeats it to Pulitzer in the play. But
0: yeah, ugh. I mean, Jack, is, I mean, Davy is in that scene where they're forming a union, but he's basically a foil for Jack to just like Jack has the answers. Like right? David asks the questions about, well, a union needs this. And Jack says, well, this was what we'll get. Right. It's just it. It doesn't work very well um but speaking of Catherine, are you done at that point go for it all right so we haven't brought her up yet so one thing that they do in the show that's interesting uh not only is bill pullman not in it denton his character the reporter is not in it Um,
1: shocker guys bill pullman is not in the touring production of newsies the musical so i don't know if you can get refunds if it hasn't come to your town die in a
0: fire okay but don't really that would be sad Um,
1: well, okay, that we need to save for posterity. Die in a fire is terrible, and sadly it's been Reagan's go-to insult for a few years. And I think only because we're recording this. Is that the first time I've ever heard her <laughs> add. Well, because he... it's going into people who won't know I don't really want right. you to die in a fire. I will say, I've always thought it was, you know, implicit. So it's okay, <laughs> I didn't really think. But for you to have to, like, not jinx things, you are like, but don't really, because that would be
0: sad. Okay, anyways, uh, what they did was they replaced that news paper character of a reporter and since David's family isn't in the the show at all they replaced Jack's love interest with the plucky girl reporter whose name is Catherine uh and insert last name here and I would like to say I
1: think that's one of the positives I think that was a very clever idea it was nice because honestly the the love interest Sarah David's brother in the film is just set dressing they give her almost nothing to do they do have a very sweet kind of charming scene on a rooftop once but that's, I think, just because teenage Christian Bale is super charming. Um, but she, she really has almost nothing to do in the film. So by giving, you know, this unusual what eighteen nineties, nineteen hundred, whenever this mm-hmm, is, 1899, I think. um, okay, eighteen ninety nine. Boy, I did I just bookend that perfectly, giving this you know female reporter, which is obviously shocking, but giving her a job, and I thought that was a clever idea. It just was underutilized or utilized entirely incorrectly.
0: Well, yes, exactly. Like, that could have been a good idea if it wasn't for the terrible, terrible book and the fact that characters aren't developed at all, right? Uh, Every line in this show, every spoken line is a cliche. It has no emotional heart. It's terrible. This is the meet-cute. This is what happens the first time that the characters meet. We don't know that he's meeting a love interest because this is literally the, oh, gosh, I hope those two kids who are butting heads get together someday bit. All right, so some newsboy is is trying to woo uh, this girl who's just randomly walking down the street, and Jack says, whoa, step down, Romeo, nothing concerns you here. And then to the girl, he says, good morning, Miss May. May I interest you in the latest news? And she says, but the paper isn't out yet. I would be delighted to deliver it to you personally. And she says, no, I've got a headline for you. Cheeky boy gets nothing for his troubles. And everyone says, ooh, and she walks off stage. It's so stupid. It's so stupid. It's so stupid my brain almost fell out of my head. Right. It's not even
1: that particularly cheeky. I mean, I guess he's planning to go to her place, but... Right! It's not cheeky, and that's not a good comeback. I guess they're made for each other. <laughs> also, it is not at all clear at that point that she is the female lead at all. I just thought she was random passerby as part of the starting show Busy Work, and it was kind of a big surprise when her, when that actress as the same character came back later
0: right and when she comes back later he finds her later on when he's at meta the Burlesque's place he sees her in the box or something watching the show and apparently she's plucky girl reporter we haven't been told that she's a reporter but he knows that and makes reference to it when he sees her later even though it hasn't been introduced in the plot at all which is weird. no i think she says it
1: she says because he's they're watching the show and she says please be quiet i'm trying to write a review of this show and then Meta has some, actually, it was kind of an okay line along the lines oh, I guess of, you're right. okay. hey, you didn't pay to get in, so at least please pay attention. And you're like, ooh, that's not bad. Um, and it's kind of a fun zing for a play to say, you know, to like the art critics in the audience.
0: All right. I'll give you that one. But whatever is dumb. That's all I'm saying.
1: <laughs> Fine. You're right. But my point still stands. Dumb.
0: So yeah, that could have been a good thing with the love interest, but it, it just, she wasn't well written at all. Um, and we'll get into the positives of the show later, because there are some related to that. Uh,
1: yeah, I guess this is the point, at, at, towards the end of this, again, because we've spent a lot of time working out our format and layout, we have decided to have some type of positivity corner. Again, dear listeners, please send us suggestions for what the hell we should name that segment, Positivity Corner. Well, it kind of makes me think of Pooh Corner, and oh, then... Oh, gross.
0: Now I don't like
1: it. And now you don't like... Not poop. Pooh, as in <laughs> yes, Winnie the Pooh. I knew what
0: you meant, but I, I, didn't, I didn't... You don't like Winnie the Pooh? What is wrong with you? You grew up in the same A. a. Milne house. I know. I like A. a. Milne's poetry. It's who
1: funny. Who hurt you? Huh?
0: I hate the voice of the guy who does the Disney one.
1: Okay. Well, I wasn't going to the Disney one. I, know, I was going to the book. I know, it's
0: forever associated in mind. Anyway, sorry. Uh, anyway, aggression.
1: there will be a positive positivity corner to hopefully be renamed later towards the end
0: okay uh one thing that we wanted to mention in the beginning spoiler alert Uh... well
1: reagan thought it was important to mention the beginning i thought it was silly but i guess yeah apparently if you haven't seen this play and you're worried about crucial plot details which there aren't any because the plot is a mess again this book is terrible it makes no sense if you have not seen the film you really don't, it is indistinguishable. It is just dance number after dance number with no real plot and nothing really happening, and then it ends. Anyway, but there will be spoilers.
0: Yes, and one of those spoilers is that it turns out that Plucky Girl Reporter is actually Pulitzer's daughter.
1: Right, so Catherine, who had been, you know, relegated to the society pages, because again, she's a woman reporter in 1899, which by itself is shocking and good for her. Um, wants to do a hard news story and follow this this newsies strike. But yeah, she's also this amazing heiress. So that's one more thing Jack doesn't have a problem with in his life because he is going to be wealthier than God after they get together because, you know, their love is perfect or something. Again, not a thing we've been shown, but we've been told. Um, Going back to Things They Ruined About David... Just from the very beginning, when Jack meets David and his brother, Les, David was, you know, Les was just cute set dressing. And David was the one who negotiates the percentage split on their business partnership. In the play, they give all of that business busy work to Les because he's little. And it's fun having a little tiny kid be, you know, the wise cracking whatever. But once again, it t- it just neuters Jack and makes him useless and powerless david mean yes it neuters david thank you
0: yeah and it also gets a little bit weird and creepy at least i thought it was a little bit weird and creepy uh when they're talking about the rally unless the seven-year-old on stage is talking about how he has a hot date with some girl and so he wants to make sure that the rally happens i don't know i didn't like it yeah um the
1: show okay so let's talk about other stuff the show wrote new songs they're mostly terrible They're terrible. The song Pulitzer sings is terrible. They've eliminated the ongoing, any mention of the war, well, you know, war in quotes, the battle between Pulitzer and Hearst. So instead of having a reason that Pulitzer's costs have gone up at the newspaper, which is why he has to increase, why he chooses to raise the price on newsies to cover, you know, any profit losses from this battle he's chosen to engage in, it's just greed. Now, don't get me wrong. Greed is a part of this character. And for those who haven't seen the film, who boy, is Robert Duvall something to behold. He was nominated for a Razzie, which I think is unfair. He's insane. And (laughs) the choices they make are, are, wow, are they strange. But I think they're fascinating. And I feel like Duvall did the work and is justifying this kind of crazy insular rich person who's only been surrounded by yes men whether he's Howard Hughes or Donald Trump or whatever you know he makes strange noises while he's calculating there's an ongoing gag with a large magnifying lens and it's kind of wonderful um on this production the actor playing Pulitzer seemed just fine
0: yeah he was actually one of the he was a good point
1: he was but they didn't but they didn't give him anything right or no. any reason other than just he wants money we must make more money. You
0: now, one thing that I got to talk about, uh, and I don't know where to fit it in thematically, so I'm just going with it now, which is appropriate because I'm talking about themes. So, um, the show doesn't follow through on anything. It's like they don't know what they're doing. And I appreciate that the, the music and lyrics were written by Jack Feldman and Alan Menken, who did the music and lyrics for the movie. But it doesn't matter if they wrote it; they still don't understand what they did the first time around right to know what they're doing this time that's so wrong like they just don't get it so they have this opening that i've talked about with crutchy and jack okay and then they abandon that as being really actually important to the show and they have uh at the end suddenly you know when the the newsies are printing their own banner on pulitzer's printing press well in this it's um catherine's idea that they use that they that they print their own banner and, and get the word out, and that's fine. And so she shows up to help them at the printing press with these two random guys we've never seen before in tow. And and tri-
1: these are these are obviously swells about town. They are dressed to the nine, just two well-dressed dandies show up in the basement of Pulitzer's building.
0: Right. And turns out, one of them, uh, Jack says, you work for one of the papers, and he says, my father owns the trib, and the other one apparently is the son of William Randolph Hearst. And... And proud to be part of your revolution, right? And so now there's this theme of the, the sons and daughters of the, the newspaper powerhouses joining the revolution. And then uh, at the end, when Roosevelt comes in and saves the day, he gives this boring speech about the responsibility of the next generation for standing up to what they believe in against the older generation and helping to change the world out of nowhere. Now there's a new theme about the next generations rising up, like if if you want to do that, sure, that's justified with the material that you have that you're working with. You could make that be a theme throughout your show, but instead, it's just randomly shoehorned in in the last 10 minutes as if it is supposed to be really important or insightful or groundbreaking or relevant and it's just random and weird and out of nowhere. I and think
1: like I think they must have been just emoting all of these themes in the endless cartwheels and dance numbers, and you just, you were too thick to pick up on it. Because it sure as fuck isn't in the book, or the acting, or anything else. Yeah, it's insane. Um, I I didn't know I was Team David until I started thinking about this, because I always, you know, teenage Christian Bale right. spoke to me. Exactly. But guys, I am so Team David. In the film, which we, again, we rewatched this afternoon, when um, Pullman's reporter initially sees the strike happening. Jack has gone in to talk to Pulitzer, and we actually see him scared and vulnerable and human. He gulps and he grabs the youngster less and says, maybe the kid will help soften him up. So again, we don't see this in the play version. But Pullman sees the strike happening, goes up to David, says, you seem like the guy in charge. Tell me about this strike. And when he says, what's your name? Oh, it's David. Oh, like David and Goliath. Now, This is a great, fun little bit, right? And in fact, Catherine, our girl reporter, does make a David and Goliath thing. I think it's even in her song. But does not actually ever mention, hey, there's actually a person named David who's one of the leaders of this. Because guess what? He's He's,
0: forgettable.
1: He's not one of the leaders of this at all. So that's just a bummer. Um, And you actually see David stick up to spot Conlon in Brooklyn, even though he scares all the newsies. It's his quick thinking to charm Spot and tell him that all the, you know, New York Newsies are waiting.
0: Yes, exactly. And that's such a brilliant moment, which they completely get rid of because they get rid of all of the moments that have emotional weight. Um, <laughs> but, but you know, in the movie, it's a big scary thing to go see Spot Conlon, who's the leader of the Brooklyn Newsies, and everybody's really intimidated by him. So Jack and David uh, and Boots go and visit him and, you know spot collins says okay i'll listen to you you know i know you've gone to see all these other newsboys what are they saying and david steps forward and he's clearly blowing smoke up his ass right he's just feeding him this line about well you know everybody says that spot collins the biggest baddest toughest newsie in new york and everybody says they want to wait and see what spot Collins does because spot Collins is the king of the world right and and i mean when they get back to town yeah there are no other newsies that have joined them but it's really seems obvious that this is just something David has made up because he's clever and he's thinking on the spot and he knows that this is the way to get to this guy who has this reputation. Oh for
1: sure. Even Spot is a little hip to the fact that his ass is being kicked. Um but he likes it. Kissed. Wow, yes. (laughs) Uh, Oh well, we don't know what Spot's into. (laughs) But he's twelve, so now I'm But he's enjoying what's going on. I'm very uncomfortable. Let's take this away, because again, we shouldn't sexualize children, even though there's a lot of hip thrusting in the film dance, which does make me a little uncomfortable, because these are youths. But anyway, um, he's aware that that this is a little bit BS. He, he looks at Jack with a smile and is like, you're right, this guy does have some brains. And David comes into his own more. In the very beginning, he's upset that Jack is stretching the truth to sell papers, saying, you know, my father taught me not to lie. And Jack's like, well, my dad taught me not to starve. So we both got an education. You know, David is learning how to be scrappy and streetwise and and inspire people and how to get things done, which apparently the lesson of the film is sometimes you got to stretch the truth a little bit, which is not untrue. Right. But perhaps a little shocking to be in a children's movie. So good on you, Disney. Or something,
0: yeah. But in the play, you know, Spot Coleman, everybody's scared and intimidated to go see him. But you don't really see that happen. He just suddenly shows up uh, at the rally. I think he's not even—he doesn't even come save them in the fight scene. No, it, well, he's
1: not even a named character, really. People they just show up. Him. Well, yes, but if but you yeah. want, if you didn't know the film, he doesn't have lines. People he's just show important. up, and they're like, "Brooklyn's in the house at the rally," and everyone's like, "Oh, yay, Brooklyn!" And the Brooklyn people—oh my god—going back to just the subtlest and least effective of costuming the Brooklyn, the four Brooklyn Newsies have the most subtle hints of red, whereas everyone else has been in grays and browns and Jack Kelly initially was in blue, but again then they have him change out of that, so there's not
0: it's, oh guys, it's such a mess Alright, I have uh, my final point that I want to make, I don't know if you have other points that you want to make about everything that's wrong with this show Um
1: Towards the end I think, (laughs) continuing our theme of removing any emotional depth or vulnerability from this film and from jack in particular Um, in the stage production the supposed big spoiler betrayal is finding out that Catherine is pulitzer's daughter and jack is supposed to be upset somehow but she clearly still supports the newsies strike and has always been on their side it's not as if some secret location of the Newsies got raided or something happened that she had betrayed them. But somehow he's supposed to be betrayed. That's supposed to be their big, like, you know, obstacle in their budding romance. And it makes no sense. But in the film, Jack is, you know, offered this devil's bargain with Pulitzer. Of you're going to go to this refuge, orphanage, jail until you're 21. Or I will give you a bunch of money and you will come work for me. And he shows up in a suit as a scab selling newspapers. And there's a really kind of adorable, heartbreaking scene as the other newsies are like, tell me I'm not, I'm seeing something. What is this?
0: Yeah, and Jack clearly looks like he's about to cry. Yeah, these, you know, these, these teenagers are, are, are acting. And then there's the, the really great moment between him and David where, where, you know, David comes up and talks to him.
1: I don't understand you. Oh, so let me spell it out for you. You see, I ain't got nobody tucking me in at night, like you.
0: It's just me. I gotta look out for myself, all right? You had the newsies. Oh, what have being a newsie ever give me but a dime a day and a few black eyes. For the first time in my life, I got money in my pockets. Real money. Money, you understand? I got more in the way, and as soon as I collect, I'm gone. I'm away, all right? Well, that's good. That's good, because we don't need you. We don't need you all those words you said those were mine yeah but you never had the guts to put them across yourself did you I do now
1: yeah so David comes up to him and he's asking Jack why and Jack doesn't say that Pulitzer had you know threatened Jack and his family you know that putting Threaten Jack David Pulitzer told Jack that he would put David in this jail basically what about all these things and so Jack is really doing this you know, to help his friends as well as help himself. And David comes into his own and comes out to lead the Newsies more, which leads to in the film, the Delancey brothers being sent to beat up David and they attack Sarah on the street and
0: which is his sister,
1: right? And Jack's love interest. And it's, um, loosely implied sexual violence as they pull her down an alley. But again, it's a Disney film, so we're not going to get into it too much, but it's, you know, not great. And Jack hears the cries for help and throws down the papers and runs off to help. And then after, he beats up the Delancey brothers and, and they tell him, We're going to tell on you to Pulitzer. You're going to be back in orphan jail soon. What, you couldn't stay away? Well, I guess I
0: can't be something I ain't. Scab? Oh, smart.
1: Oh, it's hilarious.
0: Yeah, and just along, I mean... Along the lines with the play erasing any real darkness, which also erases any sense of stakes and, you know, helps with building emotion, like, they made changes for no reason other than that. Like, I can't think of any other reason for, like, the fact that in the movie, Crutchy at the beginning is worried that there are so many fake cripples on the street that people will think that he's faking it when he's, you know, he actually has this problem. And in the play, Jack just out of nowhere tells Crutchy that he's got it made because being a cripple is so lucrative that some people fake it, right?
1: Right. Yeah. It's exact. It's a totally different... The same information has been shared, but with a different tone and a different purpose. And with this-is-the-wrong-stupid-tone-and-purpose. Right. Um, I do want to say, going back to uh, how I am all-in on Team David, uh, we're watching this film now as a grown-ass woman, and uh, looking at all these little baby children. David becomes more and more appealing as the movie goes on, and he becomes... More road weary and messy and scruffier as he's in his just you know his long undershirt and his you know pants at the end and he's got a little dirt and he's got chutzpah and you're like, yeah, uh,
0: so that's really all that I have to say about everything that's wrong with the news he's on Broadway, yeah, it's not, a, it's just well, except for this, <laughs> <laughs> so in the beginning when they're forming the the union um uh i guess i can't say this coherently but basically forget it never mind i don't care no say, I, it. Well, say it say it so, you know, if you've seen the film, you know that the the big important part at the end is, like, they're, they're out of options, and Jack is on the run from the refuge, and then they, they see this article that, that Denton, which is Bill Pullman's character, has written, talking about, you know, why the city is afraid of the Newsy strike. Like, the fact that the city of New York runs on child labor, and if other children get this idea to strike and, you know, fair wages and and hours and everything like that then it will the city will grind to a halt uh and that's the big power moment that's the moment where they realize that they're not in this alone they don't have to be in this alone they print out the newsies banner and they distribute it to all the child laborers and then they're waiting for them to come and then they all come and help them and they win over pulitzer um and it's sort of like a big reveal right like this idea is a big idea which you don't know right away and in Newsies on Broadway, they have a line at the beginning about how Pulitzer needs to respect the rights of all the kids of New York. It's not respect the rights of the Newsies. It's not right. respect the rights of his employees. They're hinting at this idea already. And then at the end, they have Catherine come out with, you're part of something bigger and you need to appeal to all the and other And she mentions laborers. the
1: Children's Crusade. Yeah. Which cracked me up. Uh, because, um, I mean, first off, that is a really random historical thing to mention and then throw away but also all of those (laughs) children were murdered because if a bunch of kids march off to war apart from any of the reasons for it they got sold into slavery or murdered (laughs) or both right but you know like that children's crusade we'll do it too yeah um i do (laughs) want to say this so for a play whose whose book whose script is so short on details and there's no depth the entire time. Suddenly, at the very end, as there's the final negotiations between Pulitzer and Jack, because the city has ground to a halt because all of the youngsters have have gone on strike in solidarity, suddenly this script introduces a ton of specifics during the final meeting with Pulitzer. In the movie, Pulitzer's like, ah, and then they come out and announce, we win, yay, and final dance number. In the play there's this intricate discussion about how Pulitzer can't be seen to lose face. So instead of going back to the original prices, they compromise on only increasing the price of papers a little bit instead of the lot that he had done. And then Jack's like, fine, but you have to agree to buy back unsold papers. And there's like five or six more sentences discussing whether that makes sense or not. Right.
0: And it's actually a good idea, right? Like, This is a clever way to compromise, and Pulitzer doesn't lose face, but we've already established that the Newsies are – I mean, maybe they haven't established very well in the play, but they do in the movie – anyways, that that the Newsies do lose money. It's it's a lyric in one of the songs, right? Like, they basically just have to eat any papers that they can't sell. And so the fact that Jack has negotiated this thing where they can then sell their papers back, like, that's a great thing. But –
1: Well, Pulitzer goes on to be like, what if – People will just buy a ton of newspapers just to bank on it. And Jack's like, no, is going to want to carry around a bunch of papers they aren't going to sell. Like, guys, they talk about this for like two minutes. When they haven't explained anything, this whole play, we get this five-minute scene of them hashing out how many pennies we're going to pay for a hundred papers. Um, it is possibly more realistic than, you know, what the film shows But why they chose this one scene to actually explain something when there was no nuance or explanation given the entire previous two hours, I'll never know.
0: Right, and the fact that they then do this elaborate out-of-nowhere scene and discussion, like this negotiation, is important, right? And then he just comes out and says that we won and all the newsies are happy and I feel like it would have been more powerful if they knew why they were celebrating, right? Like, maybe explain that you won this big coup.
1: Since they spent five minutes to let us, you know view this really exciting moment
0: sinking in learn what's important about these numbers and then whatever i guess
1: it's that oft-quoted stage advice perhaps more famous than even chekhov's gun audiences love financial contract negotiation details right I Am I the right?
0: Contract negotiation details, though. I know you keep razzing <laughs> on the scene, really? but I really liked it. I thought it was clever, and I thought that it was a good compromise. And hence, perhaps my disappointment that he never right. explained to all of the other newsies. And well, maybe the all of the other newsies don't care, right? They're not wonks; they don't care. They'll, they're willing to accept the fact that they won with no explanation. I would want an explanation if I was a newsie.
1: Well, I do think I just said it was an oft-quoted advice that audiences love it. <laughs> but I, and I will say. I didn't dislove it. I do think it was kind of interesting. I wish David's character, again, could have played a part in it, a bigger role, because he does play a part in the film. But it was just so jarring that all of a sudden, this is the one bit we decide to give details on. Um, This is also the scene where they once again repeat the line to Pulitzer this time of, you know, being the boss doesn't mean you have to have all the answers. It means taking the right answers when you hear it, which is such an aggressive Strange way to phrase that anyway. Um But again, it's just hilarious because they give Jack all of the right answers, basically, all the time. Because the writers of this play hate David. They do. Yeah.
0: So, that's everything that's wrong with the you play. Do you want
1: to make your anecdote about Mr. Weasel?
0: Oh, just that it seems kind of anti-Semitic that everyone calls him Mr. Weasel? Yeah, it does. It seems, I mean... Sorry to be those people, but we're those people. We know better now, and I don't feel like that's something that you've made me, I just don't like it.
1: Uh. Yeah, it seemed an unnecessary laugh line that doesn't produce laughs. Right. Um, come on, guys. Is it time for Positivity Corner? Uh. So when we first came up with, when we first realized the need for a Positivity Corner segment, again, name pending Please, guys, send us clever suggestions at wrongpod on Twitter. Um, We are fans of puns and alliterations. Reagan has raised an eyebrow. Are we fans of
0: puns? Are we really? You want to speak for the entire podcast there? Are you not
1: a fan of puns? Did you not grow up in our giant family with our punning grandfather? No? Okay, guys, we will deal with that at a later time. Um, But we didn't want to be a bunch of negative Nellies. Or Debbie Downers. Or criticism Christina's. She's the worst, or as Reagan just spitballed, what is it? calamitous callies? I don't even. <laughs> which doesn't. Again, alliterations are fun. All right, positive things. The dancing, the choreography is is really fun. These this large cast of you know, athletically fit young men.
0: There were lots of backflips,
1: or flipping, and cartwheeling, and spinning, and they did win a Tony for it, which is deserved. Um, a few of the reviews i saw did mention that this was a light year for the tonys which (laughs) is possibly true because they got a lot of nominations some of which i don't think uh, harvey firestein's book was nominated
0: oh my god
1: but again you know if there's only eight or nine shows on broadway and they're going to nominate five musicals right so that's what makes me that confirms to me that it's a
0: And so another good thing that they got right was the idea of combining the love interest with the reporter character. Like, I, you know, saw blog posts that were mad about that because the feminists just have to get their feet in everything, apparently, according to blog posts that I read. But it was clever because the original love interest has no personality and nothing to do. Now, this love interest has a terrible personality uh, and is just written poorly, but that's not her fault. Like, it was a good concept. And I will say, she has my
1: favorite new song. another good thing. The song that that they write for her about writer's block is very clever. And it's fun. There's great wordplay. And she's talking to herself and... And it's catchy. Write what you know, so they say. All I know is I don't know what to write or the right way to write it. This is big, lady, don't screw it up. This is not some little vaudeville I'm reviewing. Um, in the same way that you went and got the soundtrack from the movie and listened to that a lot, I was streaming some of the Broadway show songs. And really, of the new ones, hers is the only one worth listening to. And it's a blasty blast. So... That's great, and that is the first time I liked her character because she was awful. yeah and then it was like, oh, that's a fun song. and then she went back to being kind of useless. Yeah, I mean she tap danced during King of New York. Oh God, can we so the set is three is three tiered three leveled towers um,
0: like with... scaffolding.
1: Thank you. yes, metal scaffolding, and all of the boys are in tap shoes. And then they run up onto the scaffolding to be out of the way for the next scene. And you just keep hearing tap shoes running across metal scaffolding. And I thought, oh, they're going to go change their shoes. But apparently they made them hide it out behind the other bit of the scenic design I loved. The roll-down screens where they could project newsprint or different newsreels or some of Jack's artistic drawings up there. So they they were stuck hiding behind there so that... After that scene, once again, their tap shoes could go tippity-tap-tap-tap tap, as you've got 20 yes. dudes.
0: But uh, that I didn't notice that. That didn't bug me at all. Okay. Um, the screen was clever, and they were able to use it basically to modularize the scaffold so they could just open up tiny little windows in them and create rooms or create whatever else they needed to create, which worked really well. What... I know this is the positivity corner, but what didn't work well about the scaffolding is, this is, this is like the chase scenes, right? When Jack is mysteriously running away from the bad guy figure who's mentioned once and then never again and then suddenly comes in. But anyways, the, the shit show uh, that was the chase scenes on the scaffolding, it gives you lots of places to run, but it made it hard to tell what's going on because you have all these different bars and bits of scaffolding yeah. getting in the way. and you It was can't a nice tell... idea,
1: but it did not work.
0: Right. You can't tell how the character is getting away or if they're getting away or what's going on. Like, are they far away from this person who's only one step away from them at any given point? But sometimes this door opens and sometimes it doesn't. It was not effective, I didn't think. so. Yeah.
1: Um, watching the film today, the one scene that I think was... Much more effective and and genuinely funny in the play versus it lay kind of flat in the movie is after all the child workers strike, um, there are endless phone calls keep happening and Pulitzer's two lackeys keep answering saying, no, he's not available, no, he's not available, and then they turn out and mention how the whole city is mad, it's ground to a stop, and one of them is all shocked at such language being used, um... The lackey who just says that line off to the side in the film, I didn't think was very effective. So I was like, "Oh yeah, good on you.
0: That that bit was okay." I'm out of positive things. So if oh, you dear. have more, you can keep going.
1: Um, the teen girls around us, again, the, the youths in general around us, and the and the audience seem to have a blast. So good for them. They came out to the show. They had a good time. We are the home of Seattle, um, home of the Ovation Inflation. If you do a show in Seattle, you get a standing ovation just because. Um,
0: it would be rude not to.
1: Right, because we're nice and we're polite. And. You got... might not
0: have noticed. <laughs> right.
1: There was a we as the city, perhaps not us. Um, we're nice and polite in person, generally. Uh, guys, giving people a hard time is how we show affection
0: in our family. Now you're implying that we have affection.
1: Oh, heart. Oh, for newsies? You yeah. Mean? Oh. Well, but sometimes we're just being critical because anyway. the thing deserves to be critical. <laughs> oh, guys, we're gonna, I'm going to have to, like, ponder examine this, what it really
0: means about oh, your we'll feelings have to, for We'll have newsies. to do a
1: new podcast, Deep Thoughts with Tracy. Anyway. Um, what was I saying? Oh, anyway. It doesn't mean anything. People just stand just because. And so whatever. People leapt to their feet, and that's great. And they spent a lot of money, so I'm glad that they had a good time. But yeah oh now this is really a stretch as I was trying to take notes during the films of positive things in the play they gave everyone these kind of the over the shoulder messenger bags to carry their newspapers in and that was way less awkward than the newsies just carrying them by hand or laying them over just a strap that they wore over their shoulders in the film it's probably less accurate I imagine that the film is more historically accurate but good on you play that seemed a decent work around because you have to dance you have to be dancing holding these papers and you don't want things to fly around i know in the scene in which they're dancing and twirling um on top of pieces of paper you were concerned reagan about slipping
0: well it seemed very dangerous
1: um what what upset my inner safety monitor was the young gentleman who was amazing at doing the biggest backflips but every time sometimes these guys were landing very close to the orchestra pit or I was afraid someone I was going to watch someone get paralyzed oh. and it would be terrible Ew. but that's more my issue than the show's <clears throat> issue
0: it would be terrible so that's what newsy got right uh huh um yep I, uh, I thought you wanted yeah okay what
1: did you think I wanted?
0: people agree with us
1: <laughs> oh should we do people agree with us too? yeah we can do that so now, in a segment we've decided to call People Agree With Us, um, I the the tiny bit of research we did for this was me looking up reviews of the show.
0: Tiny bit of research, indeed.
1: Um, because I had talked to a few pals who had enjoyed it, and the people around us had a hoot and a half, to be fair. Reagan and I also had a great time tearing apart this show. <laughs> With each other. We had a blast. Obviously, it inspired this podcast.
0: Worth the price of admission. And we had a great time being nostalgic for the film. Yeah. You know, watching it and going, oh, we love this movie. Oh, remember that part of the movie? It inspired me to buy the film soundtrack, which I hadn't done yet. And we can say
1: soundtrack because it's the film soundtrack, whereas the Broadway cast recording, we do know internet. But cast recording has so many more syllables. and It's just not efficient. We have stuff
0: to do. Okay, people agree with us.
1: People do agree with us. The New York Times review by Ben Brantley, which he titled "Urchins with Punctuation," which is pretty fantastic. Um, basically, had many of the same complaints. Um, what is being marketed here is urchin appeal. He talks. About, he mentions the dance numbers, and I would like to say I think the dance is the real positive. They want a Tony for it, and I think they should. But he goes on to say, though there is little originality in the dance numbers, they have enough raw vitality to command the attention and even stir the blood. Or they would if they knew when to quit. Just when you think a number is over, it starts up again. And no sooner are you recovering from that one than there's another one with all the same darn backflips, pirouettes, etc. I commend the cast members for always appearing to be excited by what they're doing. Unfortunately, That is not the same as being exciting, which, you know, it's the New York Times. So, ouch, but also, um, accurate. (laughs) Mark Kennedy of the Associated Press wrote that the overall story, like newsprint, is black and white. And to expect a version of the Broadway show at a high school auditorium near you. Part history lesson, part fable, and part love story, it's practically got its bags packed. Um, which actually proved not to be true. This show had an enthusiastic off-Broadway run. Um, they decided to open on Broadway for a limited release. It was originally just going to be a month or so. Which was really a smart move because then in all of your marketing you can say, Broadway show! Um, and they knew they would make money touring and selling the rights. But, you know, the fans loved it. And I think it played on Broadway for something – for over a year, anyway. It only
0: recently closed, apparently. Some people are distraught. Wrong people.
1: (laughs) Wrong people are distraught. And, And, you know, for teenagers who enjoy fit young men dancing, there's a lot of that happening. That's exciting. The songs are still fun. Well the songs from the film that they do
0: are still fun. No, because they ruin them. They change lyrics for no reason. Jack isn't even in King of New York song, which is an important song for showing the internal life of the characters because you get to see what's important to them, but Jack is off sulking and not really caring about crutchy and being artistic, so he's not in that song at all. And they just changed lyrics for no reason. Like, I don't understand. I think maybe I think maybe it hurt the show that it was actually the, the original lyricist and musician doing the play, right? Because they were maybe bored with their original material and wanted to change it. If you're doing the original song, there's no reason to change it. And maybe that's just the problem with adaptations in general because you shouldn't change shit that is working, especially if you don't improve it. Like, for no reason at all, the, the Saturday Night with the Mayor's Daughter line isn't in Kingdom, New York, right? It just... Was it not? <sighs> yeah,
1: it wasn't. Okay. Um, Katie, oh, I'm going to pronounce her last name incorrectly. Bunecki, perhaps, of the LA Weekly says, The Newsies musical is no masterpiece, but it's a lot of fun. Um, and uh, sure, I, I had a lot of fun at it. She's trying to talk about what what caused this musical to have such problems. She says Harvey Feinstein, Firestein's book... Is a mess filled with cheap self-awareness cliches, groan-worthy jokes, and anestheti- anesthetized villainy, and that's really true. That goes back to your comment of there being no darkness. There's no threat. Yeah. No one has any depth, and it doesn't matter. Um, in Time, Richard Zoglin is talking about the show, and he says he talks about why it should be good because it has Disney money, competent actors a good director, high levels of energy, and acrobatic dance numbers. But why then does the show seem about as disposable as yesterday's paper? A few ideas. For all of the supposed New York street cred, wow, guys, I'm really good at accents, um, these turn-of-the-century newsboys are drawn with Crayola, the old boxes, the ones with just eight colors. (laughs) Maybe four. Maybe four colors for Reagan. (laughs) One newsboy with a bum leg who struggles around on a crutch is called God help us crutchy. And that is true. (laughs) It is like, I, yeah, guys, um, the show has a lot of motion, but too little wit or grit. How about a number making fun of the pandering sensational headlines the boys keep complaining they need to sell papers? It's the heyday of yellow journalism, but we don't see a single headless body or even a topless bar way too crass for this polite upbeat by the numbers show um, in a man makes some good points. He does. People agree with us. Um, a regional review from talkingbroadway.com by David Edward Hughes about the Seattle performance. <laughs> um, he, he mentions how the book is a lesser effort. <laughs> And that is true because Harvey Firestein's other books have been good for things like Kinky Boots and Torch Song tr- Trilogy. And he mentions that Santa Fe is over reprised here. <laughs> Boy, is he right. And Broadway showbiz website by Corinne Cohen talks about how it's a big hit. It's going to prove a goldmine for family audiences, especially those with teenage boys. I would have said teenage girls. I guess it depends on the boys. I don't know that teen boy is really the market for this. What do you think, Reagan?
0: I mean, I don't know. One thing that I was thinking about that that bugged me about the play, although I completely get there wasn't anything they could do about this, but at the end of the movie when all of the child laborers are getting together, we see garment workers, we see women, and there are so few girls and women in this show. And it's, yes, you can emotionally connect to, to actors who don't look like you, but there's something important about seeing yourself represented on stage. And so maybe that's where she's going, right? Like the teenage boys are seeing themselves represented on mm. stage.
1: Right. Yeah, it's true. I mean, it is, it is a, a male show. <laughs> um, so back to Corinne Cohen and I possibly mispronouncing her first name. Apologies. Uh, she mentions how everyone around her, The the youths around her seemed to be having a blast, and she wasn't. (laughs) Um, She felt distanced and not totally involved. The problem stems from the usually reliable Harvey Firestein's book. It just fails to tell this story in a compelling, thoroughly engaging manner, giving us instead some basically one-dimensional characters and little emotion or drama. While serviceable score with a few good melodies, it also falls short in consistently elevating the evening, It's an intermittently entertaining musical which too often fails to ignite. Uh, Too often throughout the evening, I found myself wondering what the rest of the audience was going crazy about. I certainly did not dislike Newsies. It's modestly entertaining, and there are the occasional sparks of joy. Clearly, the vast majority of the viewers around me responded with a lot more enthusiasm than I did. But it's a missed opportunity and a letdown. And I just want to say amen, sister. So I guess... Instead of listening to this podcast, you guys could have just gone to Google and looked up <laughs> reviews, no. but it wouldn't have been as entertaining We said as more us. things than them. We did say more things than them.
0: All right. Now. One last thing that's wrong with the newsies on Broadway is people in the audience using their goddamn phones during the play. The woman right in front of us was using her phone during the play. Luckily, the person that she was with knew better and was, like, trying to, like, wrestle the phone away from her and, like, scolding her, which I appreciated very much. People to the left of us were using their phone during the play, and it's really distracting, and it's a bright flash, and until the technology improves to the fact that you can do that without knowing the shit out of me, don't do that. Thank you.
1: I would also like to point out that these people using the phone were the goddamn grown-ups, And it was the teenagers who in most instances reached over and said, what the F are you doing? Put your phone away. Um, Seriously. I mean, we get that
0: it wasn't, you know, it dragged. You were bored. You wanted to know what time it was.
1: As every school child or worker in general can ever tell you when something is boring, don't ever look at the clock. (laughs) Looking at the clock only makes it worse because- because all it's so worse. And if you really need to see the time that badly, buy a goddamn watch. You don't stop it. Stop it. Okay. Just a shout out to the choreography of the film cuz we talked about how great it is in the play. It's hilarious in the movie. These are big numbers with with a lot of kids as well as obviously some adults playing teenagers
0: there is so much masculine punch dancing happening. I know. I As much as I love the movie, the choreography has always been ridiculous. Now we're going to have five seconds of playing tug of as part of our choreography for no reason. It's all, like, the manliest dancing you've ever seen in your life.
1: Uh, and just as a fun moment when I was looking this up on IMDb, one more thing, the movie is better than the play. In the play, the characters have, like, actual names, like Arthur or what have you, aside really from Crutchy. But We're now going to go through the list of some of the names from IMDb from the film to leave you with this delightful.
0: Roll call. We have
1: Racetrack
0: Higgins. Spot Conlon. Crutchy. Boots. Mush. Kid Blink. Snitch. Snipeshooter. Idy. Specs, Dutchy. Snotty. Skittery. Bumlets. Pie Eater. Swifty the Rake. (laughs) And I think Swifty...
1: Swifty the Rake is the last, there's a kid, there's, oh, there's Ten Pin, Ten Pin, could be a baddie or could be a newsie. Toby the Candy Butcher? <laughs> Toby the Candy Butcher, that might actually be, he might not be a newsie, he might have been like- A candy butcher? <laughs> he's Explain to crazy. me, what is that profession, please? When they were maybe gonna rape <laughs> Sarah in an alley, there was a guy in a butcher's apron, <laughs> and
0: maybe he's cutting the- Taffy? Maybe they're just illustrative character names. There is Judge Move Along Monahan listed here for the judge who keeps saying move along, so. Right, right.
1: But I'm guessing that I'm gonna go with those as being the newsy names, but that's delightful and that's so much more fun than Emmett and
0: Albert and what have you. Yeah! And that brings us to a close. Thank you for joining us on this adventure, our first podcast about everything that's wrong with your hosts, Tracy and Reagan. Uh, Stay tuned. We'll be back in a month to talk about everything that's wrong with something else. (laughs) Excellent. You want to do your lead-in to your thing?
1: Positivity corner? Yeah,
0: I was going to do it, but I want to steal your... No, do it,
1: do it, because I just talked a bunch the about reading all the Calamitous
0: Catherine's or whatever. <laughs> <laughs> <All right>. criticism, Kathy. <laughs> calamitous Catherines. Okay, guys.
1: So when we when we came up with Positivity Corner, again, name pending. Please mm-hmm. send us suggestions at Wrong on Twitter. We didn't want to be a bunch of negative Nellies.
0: Calamitous criticism. <laughs> Use
1: you, your Stop. Stop thing. i that again. Pause it and save
0: this.